book chat at North Shore Library. I'm Melody. I'm Hannah. I'm Marin. And we are going to be talking about romance this episode. Aww. <laughs> I don't have any sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Usually for the spooky one, I go, ooh. <laughs> right, like, what are we even, what do you do? Like, yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't know what you were in for, now you do. Welcome. <laughs> Um, Marin, if you're a long-time listener, you'll recognize her. You've been on quite a few. I would say you're a returning guest. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm honored to be back. <laughs> well, of course we had to bring you back because for our listeners, Marin is our romance expert. She knows all of the things about romance and things that call themselves romance but aren't technically romance. Um, so yeah, Hannah and I are just going to be learning a lot yeah. today, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> we bow to your superior romance knowledge. Oh gosh, that's like quite a bar to meet. <laughs> um, so yes, Marit, do you want to talk about the romance genre? Sure. Yeah, so the romance genre um, is defined by two things. Um, and they are a central romantic relationship um, in the story. And the second component is that it has to have an emotionally satisfying conclusion, mm. also known as a happily ever after or happily for now. Mm. So I feel like there's this trend of every few months someone pops up on Twitter and says, I'm going to revolutionize the romance genre by having a romance genre or a romance novel that ends with them not together. Um, <laughs> and romance readers then come for them. <laughs> um, like, this is not what we signed up for. Exactly. Because, uh, yeah, sure. I think there's, um, you know, you know, for folks who, you know, have read the genre, like, this is kind of the expectation. And I, I think it's just something that, like, a lot of folks who maybe don't read the genre don't know um, is actually a requirement. It's, it's not optional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of folks, like, try to wade in. And it's funny because we've also started seeing this trend of folks waiting in the other way where books that have kind of a romantic subplot that you know does end happily but mm-hmm. they try to like slip that into the genre and it's like well this is like why they created the genre of chiclet in the aughts yeah. so you could have a women's story with a romantic subplot so mm-hmm. it kind of for both so that's why like having both is so important and obviously like having a happily ever after is a little more clear cut than Mm -hmm. saying that the romance has to be central to the book. Um, So there are some shades of gray there, but Mm -hmm. uh, really those are kind of the two pillars of of what makes the genre the genre. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, and within that, you know, because there's also, you know, kind of this misconception that like, well, if these books all end the same way, they, like, they're so formulaic, they're so predictable. And, you know... It. There was a great tweet that went viral a few days ago. Actually, I think it was from a local Milwaukee librarian um, that was uh, basically supposed, well, if you call the romance genre uh, predictable, uh, have you met bread? It is generally the same ingredients uh, that can be changed in an infinite variety of delicious ways. Mm. So I think that's one way to think about it, is that, like, even if you're getting to the same place with every romance book, the way they, the ways they can get there are infinite. And, hmm. you know, romance also contains a ton of subgenres, so they're really, you know, it, it covers a lot of ground in, um, you know, you can have romantic suspense, you can have historical romance, you can have paranormal romance... Um, you can have inspirational romance. Amish romance is a really thriving mm-hmm. subcategory. Yeah. 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 And romance is, you know, really this big tent. Um, uh, a new developing genre is called actually new adult romance, which mm-hmm. are romance that kind of straddles the line between YA and adult romance. And it's generally, you know, folks in college, you know, the, the main characters are folks in college or just out of college. So that's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting new sub- subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about romance is I think we've really kind of seen a changing of the guard. Um, you know, you have, you know, there for so long there are names I'm sure everyone can recognize from seeing them, you know, 
in the drugstore or in Target or wherever. You yeah. know, you have your Nora Roberts and Sandra Brown and Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Um, but there's, you know, really been this generation of new romance novelists who are really taking the genre in new directions, who are making it more diverse and inclusive um, and doing new things. So you have new authors, you know, like um, Sarah McLean, Jasmine Guillory, Helen Hoang, um, who mm-hmm. are, you know, coming up and transforming the genre. Um, and you might also have noticed that there are some names I didn't mention um, <laughs> who frequently get mistaken for romance novelists. This could be, like, I could get this tattooed on my forehead. Nicholas Sparks doesn't write romance. Like, I will, that is a petty hill I will die on. Don't make me tap the forehead tattoo. (laughs) Nicholas Sparks Those are strong words, Marin. People are going to come for you. (laughs) Oh, I will be ready. Um, Yeah, no, and uh, every time, uh, and, you know, this happens, you know, librarians do this too. Because, you know, a lot of librarians are, are asked to caretake collections that they aren't a reader for, which is part of librarianship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're not really in the genre, I can see how you would think somebody like Nicholas Sparks or Daniel Steele write romance novels. But, you know, if you read within the genre and you, you know, listen to romance readers, like, they will tell you. Like, they don't... And, and in fact, Nicholas Sparks and Daniel Steele would tell you they mm. don't write romance novels. Mm. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, yeah. yeah, there are these, like, names that we associate with the genre who are not actually in the genre. And I think that distinction gets made to their own, that distinction gets made when you use the term specifically romance novel. Because there are a lot of books about romance, and there are a lot of books about romantic love. Mm-hmm. But, like, a romance novel is mm-hmm. a very specific thing. Yeah. Um, all right, end, end tirade. And I'm gonna break it. I'm gonna break it so hard. <laughs> my, my mine are mine are all young adult fiction because that's what I read, and it's so hard to get YA to stick to one genre ever. Right. So, no. Yeah. Well, I'll cross over a little bit. Yeah, I also will be. You know, but don't come for us, Marin. Right. <laughs> right. No, uh, mine may not qualify under your definition, but it is romantic. So, right. Well, and I think it really, you know, it, it in some ways is like a marketing thing. Cause like, mm-hmm. if we think about, you know, the purpose of genres is to get books into the hands of readers who will like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's where, you know, as long as those books aren't getting filed in like a romance section in like a bookstore or a library, like it's a really like, fine semantic line (laughs) between, like, a book that has romance or a romantic book and a romance novel. Like, it's... True. It it really only becomes important when, um... And this is something that I think has been happening recently, where you know, publishing companies want to lure romance readers, and so they market Mm -hmm. a book like it's a romance book, and if you look more closely, yeah, turns out it's not. Um... So, yeah, it's kind of interesting because, yeah, you always want to go back to that question of, like, yeah, there is the strict definition, but, like, who does that serve and when, and when do we really need right. to be particular about right. it? Right. And some people might be, like, hard just romance readers and some might hear some of the suggestions that I'm about to make yeah. and go, like, oh, yeah. hey, maybe I will try a little extra fantasy in my yeah. romance or something like Hannah, that. Hannah, I think you and I read the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not literally, but that's exactly what I would say about mine. Cool. All right. Well, should we dive in? Sure. Okay. Uh, Marin, I think you're first. All right. So, yeah. So, the first book I'm going to talk about, and I think this is really a good, I wanted to talk about it first because it's really good kind of gateway book. Um, if you're not familiar with the genre, if you're maybe curious about the genre, um, this is a book that uh, I think is is really friendly to new romance readers, um, and it's called People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, um, and it is a friends to lovers uh, book, and it also features a second chance romance, um, which is my catnip trope. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like. Any book that has a second chance romance is like an insta 
to, like, instarate for me. <laughs> um, and this one was really fun. And it's about two college friends who every year uh, plan a summer trip. It's the only time they see each other. One lives in their hometown in Indiana. The other lives in New York City. So for years, they have only really gotten to spend time together on this one two-week vacation every summer. Um, and they have all these trips um, that they do. And we, we get to see... There are two timelines to the story. So we start in the present where they have stopped talking for two years. And we don't know why. Um, and then interspersed with that are the stories of their past trips. So we, on one hand, kind of see where their relationship is now, where they are not speaking to each other. Mm. And then we see both, like, how their friendship got started and all these different trips that they've had together over the years. So mm. it's a really fun on one hand, it's really fun. It does touch on some really, um, you know, darker things, too. It doesn't shy away from the hard things that the characters face in life. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a really great, if you're curious at all about the genre, if you want to start out, um, it is it is a romance novel. But it also, I think, um, yeah, is a really good it's a really accessible book, um, and so I'd recommend it uh, if you're at all curious. So, yeah, People We Meet on Vacation uh, by Emily Henry. Nice. How uh, steamy is this one? It's, a, it's not closed door, okay. um, but it's pretty mild. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it is not excessive. It's, it's fairly tame. Um, okay. Great. So, again, yeah, so it's a good, like, entryway. Yeah. For a mature reader, but nothing too crazy. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Good. Awesome. It sounds very, very different from the first <laughs> book I wanted to talk about, which is called Furia by Yamile uh, Saeed Mendez, um, which is a young adult novel. So it's it's kind of, it, it looks like a sports book, I think, on the surface. Um, but I read a lot of reviews of this book where people were complaining that the romance was too much. Mm. And I, I liked that. I don't know. It worked for me. Mm. So um, it's set in uh, Rosario, Argentina and Camila lives a double life. She's kind of the star player on her soccer team. Um, they call her La Furia, which is, you know, the furious, the fury. Um, and she's super good at soccer, just an absolute powerhouse. And it's good that she has this outlet in her life because this is where it's a YA book. She lives with her parents. Um, her mom is, you know, kind of meek and doesn't stick up to their, her kind of domineering father as much as she should. Um, and her parents don't know that she plays soccer. So she sneaks out mm. to play. Um, and her dream is, you know, she's she really wants to get a scholarship to an American university and be able to play in the United States. Um, we'll see if she gets there. Mm -hmm. uh, her brother is also a soccer player who's aspiring and is constantly compared to this neighborhood kid named Diego, who used to be Camila's paramour, uh -huh. even though he's kind of from the wrong side of the tracks. But Diego is so good at soccer that he's been playing in Europe. He plays for Juventus, uh, which is a big, big soccer club. Um, so he's, you know, this international soccer star. And uh, But it's the off season, so he's come back to say hello, see how the, the neighborhood is going. And uh, Camila kind of has to decide what's more important to her, whether it's, you know, her dream or her love life. And can she have either under her dad's uh, kind of tyrannical rule? So a lot of elements going yeah. on there. But the romance is really, really sweet. Um, and I really liked... Uh, there's, I appreciate the message in YA that like things have value because they happen and not necessarily because they last forever. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important message to yes. get out there. It's something yes. that I wish had been ingrained in me a little bit more yeah. in my in my teens. I would have maybe made some better choices. Yes. Um, so I really liked the how this wrapped up and how um, La Furia came to uh, advocate for herself and her own yeah. 
needs That's and cool. desires and stuff. So pretty tame on the on the heavy petting end of things. Yeah. Um, Why? <laughs> generally, no. yes. Yeah. Uh, but just a really fun story, and I, I recommended it to a, a cousin of mine who you know played soccer all through high school and college, and is now a doctor. Um, hmm. Living living her romantic dreams out also. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. That is, that's like a very formative question is what matters to you in your life, your relationships, your career, mm-hmm. your hobbies. How right. do you balance all of that? The bonds of family versus the bonds of romance right. versus the bonds of team. <laughs> it's just, I had a lot of feelings. Yeah. I think it's out there on the shelf right now. So. Yeah. This Go seems snake. like this seems like a good book for like say a, a Ted Lasso fan. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was ready to hate Ted Lasso with Same. all of my heart, and then I started watching it, and I'm just like crying and yep. happy and crying again. <laughs> did not have on my 2021 bingo card. Uh, right. That random commercial for the premiership right. starring Jason Sudeikis was going to come back. Right. Yeah. And like, why, why am I, it's so sappy. It's not what I would have chosen for myself at all, but I love it. It feels good. Yeah. It feels good. Mm-hmm. We, and I think, I think that speaks to, you know, part of why why do we read romance if if we have an idea of how it's going to end? Yeah, and the, the, why the do definition watch... of romance tells you what the end is. Right. <laughs> why do we watch Ted Lasso if we have you know, a pretty good idea of where it's going? Yeah, and it's I think it's just nice these days to sort of feel like you know how something's going to turn out. Well, and I too, I think a lot about. I think it was author Helena Hoeing had this really great quote where she summed it up that. For readers, knowing that there's going to be a happily ever after opens you up to the full range of emotions in the book because mm-hmm. you know it's going to be okay. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it also, I think, and I think a lot of newer romance novels really push this idea that their characters can go through really hard things and still end up okay and happy. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's a really powerful message. Mm to send to readers um and it you know people can really you know in hard times you know look to those and say okay well this person deserves it has gone through these hard things got a happy ending deserves a happy ending so do i yeah yeah exactly yeah and you can sort of like grieve with the character through the process knowing that the character and you will come out okay (laughs) exactly (laughs) gonna be okay okay cool well mine is on a totally like different it's not really romance so i read a court of thorn and thorns and roses by sarah j mass which is uh has been very popular um it is a fantasy romance probably high emphasis on the fantasy it's got a lot of young adult themes um it's also interesting because some libraries uh, catalog it in their young adult section and some catalog it in their adult section. I think, Hannah, were you and I talking about some split them? We, I think we split them. Yeah. Did we? Um, there, there is a point where the series takes a pretty hard adult turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a series. Yes. Uh, and Court of Thorns and Roses is the first book. Yes, it is. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, the first couple are like very YA, and then it does like a yeah, like this is an adult book. Yeah. So, um, so it's been a, there's been a lot yeah. of discussion in library land about well, where do we put this? And you know, book internet has been okay. This is in this part of my bookstore. It's in this part of this bookstore. Yeah. What do we do with this? So right. it really does kind of walk that line. And it's, I think it's a nice, it's been a nice one for older teens to pick up and kind of grow up with. Yeah. It's sort of matured with its audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're diving into it, you might go, whoa, <laughs> suddenly this is an adult book. Yes. So uh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this book. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start with the basic plot. Um, And as I describe this, 
You may or may not see some similarities with some other very popular young adult series or very popular stories or tales of ye old ye old lore land. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our main character is her name is Feyre, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. It's F E Y R E. It definitely has two syllables. I think it's Feyre, so I'm going to say that. We're going to hope that it's right. And if it's not, I'm really sorry. It could be like that moment where we all learned how to pronounce Hermione when the first Harry Potter movie came <laughs> right. out. Right. How did you pronounce it in your head? Uh, I think I pronounced it Hermione until oh. I had a family friend who was super into Greek mythology. And so she was like, honey, no. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, so Feyre, um, she's 19. She is doing what she can to survive and help her family survive. They live in a very small cabin um, in a pretty poor village. Her father is crippled. Her mother is dead. She has two sisters who are pretty self-absorbed and just caught up in their own lives. Um, her family used to have be wealthy. Um, her father was an investor, and his um, all of his ships sunk, and they lost everything. Um, and then her mother died, and she made a promise to her mother on her deathbed that she would take care of the family. So 19-year-old Feyre is uh, often in the woods hunting uh, animals to feed her family. Um, and she she visits the the village occasionally she has a sort of friendship uh slash other kind of ship relationship with a young man in the village um it's sort of an arrangement that they have when they're together uh they'll spend time together um and like this is her life she's just trying to survive you know find little pieces of joy where she can but we also learn that um, Feyre lives in a place called Prithian. Again, I, I'll just, disclosure now, pronunciations could all be wrong. <laughs> but we're just going to go with it. Which I think is like a country. Um, so Feyre lives in the human part of Prithian, which is just like probably an eighth of the piece of land. There's a nice map in the book that helps you out. <laughs> Um, it's probably like the southernmost eighth part of the land, and she lives in what are called the mortal lands to the north of her home, and the whole rest of the continent um, is the fairy fairy lands, fey land, um, and there are a lot of uh, rumors about fairies, and they. Um, Sounds like they're very dangerous, um, and there's a treaty between the fairies and the humans to protect the humans, because, I mean, the fairies are extremely powerful and could just, you know, kill all the humans in a heartbeat, if mm -hmm. not for this treaty. Um, fairies can only be killed by, um, I think it's like iron and ash, like two different types of materials. Sounds about right. Yep. Um, they can be beasts they can look like animals but they're actually fairies with a conscience and a soul um and fairies can never lie which is also interesting um so Feyre is going further and further up north into the woods to hunt and she's kind of finding herself getting close to the border of the fairy land and she's at higher risk because she could come across a fairy and one day lo and behold <laughs> she sees a wolf in the forest and thinks maybe it could be a fairy it's unclear and she has to make a choice of is she gonna protect herself by a potential attack and kill the wolf or not so she has to make a choice and the choice that she makes has consequences. Um, those consequences bring her in contact with fairies and with also the lands of the fairies, where she learns that maybe some of the rumors she heard might not be true. 
And there may be a much deeper and darker secret behind the treaty between the two lands, the different types of rulers among the fairies, and potentially some conflict between the fairies themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, In the midst of this, she meets a fairy who, when she first meets him, he is in beast form. It's like a full-on beast, and um, she uh, begins to have some feelings about him, as you do uh, (laughs) when you're trapped in a house with a handsome man. It's really hard to talk about this without giving spoilers away. Kansas there's like fairy man. There's levels of spoilers to this book. Um, so I'm trying not to spoil much, if at all. So I'm sorry if my explanation is a little vague. So his name is Tamlin, and you start you start to see like the relationship between Tamlin and Farah uh, develop. And, you know, now you have, like, what are these consequences going to be? A human and a fairy. Oh, my goodness. OMG. Not to mention, like, the fairy is immortal. Fera is going to die someday. Right. Um, what does happen. Yes. To humans. Right. Notably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry if you learned that here. <laughs> In paranormal romance, though, especially, it's always, that's like, always a central point it's yes. like okay well this is... but i don't die yeah so, <laughs> so you're like talking about forever and for me it's like a couple of years yeah <laughs> gonna be short um so i will say i had a lot of feelings about this at times it felt very young adult like almost almost too tropey I don't know if you caught, like, the many similar themes and tropes to some other stories. <laughs> like, there were some, at points it reminded me of The Hunger Games, it reminded me of Twilight. Not necessarily in a good way. Uh, it sort of reminded me of Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it definitely has, it's, like, heavy on the tropes, for sure. Um the last eighth of the book I found the most interesting and now I'm at a crossroads because throughout most of this book I was like alright I'm not going to read the rest of the series but now <laughs> if the series continue more like the, the the last part of this book I think I would like to it, was very it hooked you in it did Gotcha. but it took a, quite a while <laughs> uh, I will also mention it is pretty steamy in kind of an uncomfortable way. Like, I think I showed both of you. I I had a sentence that I I was reading on my lunch break. (laughs) But, like, had to get up and show both of you this sentence. It was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, Um, as someone who reads a lot of romance, mm -hmm. uh, it was was pretty cringy. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, there's also that. Like, I'm hoping if if these books mature, maybe the author's writing will mature, and that would be interesting to see her growth throughout the series. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I did enjoy it. Enough to recommend it, too. To at least mention it on the podcast. Yeah. To a certain degree. I'm not gonna, like, fight for this book. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. I think they're up to four books in the series. I think Um, it might be more. fourth one was the one where young adult librarians were like, ooh. Yeah. And adult librarians are like, yeah, that's yeah. that should be over here. Um, I know there are two more planned. And I was trying oh, to see if they had a... <laughs> yeah. if they you had better sign yourself up for a commitment here. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I take back my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, well, we'll see. It's Interesting enough that if it goes a certain way, I'm on board, I'm ready. But if it doesn't, yeah, we'll see. There. Yeah. So I have a book that is also a young adult fantasy, but I think turns a lot of the tropes on its head, mm. um, which is what I really liked about it. So I recently read uh, Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lynn, and 
people who listen to episodes of the podcast that I have been on before know that when I say reads, I mean listen to. I, I listen to, uh, <laughs> to I this think, audio. I think they assume that for all of us, unless <laughs> right. we say that I actually did read the book, the physical book mm-hmm. of mine. But you did. Shocking! I was I'm, there. I saw it. <laughs> well, I'm I am a like ninety five percent e reader only, which like people get really weird when I say like I pretty much only read on Kindle. I do mm-hmm. not really read physical books. I, I feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I thought I knew you, Martin. <laughs> I, yeah, just, I am a. I, I listen to the car or in the yard when I'm doing chores and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so really liked the audiobook for Six Crimson Cranes. Um, it follows, uh, the main character is Shiori, and she's the only princess of a fictional country called Kiata. Um, and she, uh, magic has been outlawed. There is no more magic allowed in the kingdom. And she has uh, six brothers, and they have they have their little little sister, and they all kind of, you know buddy up to her and give her nuggies and things like that um so i I loved the family dynamics in this um but shiori has figured out that she can enchant things Mm. um she discovers this by folding a paper crane and it comes to life so she has a little little paper crane buddy Mm -hmm. um as a sidekick uh and she's a princess she's gonna end up in a a politically expedient marriage is going to be chosen for her a lot of books that use this kind of trope you know it's like oh i want to rebel against my and she's like nope this is my life this is what i signed up for i have a lot of privileges because of my station and this is this is the exchange this is what i get um (laughs) so she has a, a betrothal ceremony and on the morning of that ceremony where she's supposed to meet the guy that she's supposed to marry for the good of the kingdom, um, she goes for a walk by the lake, peeks into the lake and goes, is that a dragon? And promptly falls into it in her like ceremonial garb. Uh, so they have to send this guy home. <laughs> it's like super rude that like, how dare Princess Shiori uh bail on this betrothal ceremony and she's like well but there was a dragon in there was there a dragon was there a dragon in there (laughs) is he does he have a cute human form maybe maybe (laughs) so (laughs) like some spirited away vibes yeah Yeah. exactly it 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 gave me some yeah some spirited away vibes for sure um she uh tells her stepmother who's known as Raikama, which is not her actual name. And if you know a lot about, like, fairy lore and stuff, it's kind of key that that's not her actual name. Oh. Um, you know, hey, uh, like, but the reason I, like, I didn't do this on purpose to try to worm out of my marriage, I, like, there was a dragon in there. <laughs> and Raikama's like, okay, well, that sounds fake. And then goes to do some stepmother sort of things. Um, <laughs> off screen what, for a while. Like pet the cat? What? You know, you know. Watch TV. <laughs> so, yeah, just some regular young adult fiction, <laughs> fantasy, stepmother things like that. Um, so she, yeah, she's definitely also got magic. She um, turns all of the princes into cranes and banishes them. And she... Wait. Isn't magic outlawed? Uh-huh. Okay. So kind of sus that there's this woman yeah, whose real well, name we don't know, who is married to the emperor, who can do magic. Right. A little sus. Mm, kind of suspicious of this woman. Okay. All right. Um. So turns all the brothers into cranes. She tells Shiori that if she speaks, one of her brothers will die. So anytime that she says something... Dead crane brother. <laughs> Which sorry, for not laughing. ideal. Not ideal. Look, I don't know how to. I can't communicate seriously ever. <laughs> we, know, we know this about me. Um, so she's been banished. She has uh, a bowl on her head that she can't take off, and everyone sees like, okay, girl who doesn't talk and has a bowl on her head, probably insane possibly a demon 
they give her a really wide berth. Um, so she has to uh, figure out how to break her curse, how to break the curse on her brothers, mm. figure out what's really going on, mm. see how this dragon ended up in her lake, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out what his whole deal is. There's a treaty between the dragons and the humans. Um, so, like, yeah, some kind of similar, like, similar vibes. Treaties, curses, the rules of magic get right. really complicated. <laughs> But the thing that I really liked about Six Crimson Cranes is that Shiori manages to work her way into a position in a castle. So she's around other people of noble birth, and she realizes that their, like, son who's been out helping look for the missing royal children is the guy she's supposed to get married to. And so she works in this kind of Cinderella sort of way um, in his his house, (laughs) taking care of things, and she can't say anything about her identity or who she is or one of her brothers will die. Um, So they do end up kind of falling for each other. Anyway, or at least being in a position to do so. Will they? Won't they? What's the deal with this cute dragon boy? Yeah, that's my question. I know. <laughs> so I liked it a lot. Um, it took turns I wasn't expecting, but in good ways. I think a lot of times authors, not a lot of times, but sometimes you'll read a book and you're like, okay, the author threw this twist in there to like throw me off. Yeah. Everything felt really earned. Hmm. Um, Is gotta, it part of a series? I believe there are, there is a second one coming out. No. Eventually, but I think it stands pretty well on its own. A lot of things do get resolved, mm. and some of them are boy things. <laughs> so. Interesting. Very nice. It was a fun listen, and yeah. you know, kind of a, a little bit different from the, you know, a lot of YA fantasy is very like European, medieval Europe inspired. Yeah. Um, so having something that was set and clearly had some more. East Asia, even Southeast Asian influence was really nice. Yeah. Hmm. Refreshing change of pace. Yeah. Cool. Also, okay. great idea. You know, if you want people yeah. to give you a wide berth, just put a bowl on your head. Just put a bowl on your head. <laughs> they will take a step back. <laughs> she tries breaking the bowl. It's very funny. It's this like whole sequence where she's like, what do I do about this oh. bowl? <laughs> like a dog with a cone of shame. Right, yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay, so there is a second one, just just a second one planned as far as I can see. Um, hmm. But I don't see a release date for it yet even. I do really enjoy when fantasy stories have magic with specific rules mm-hmm. and like when curses happen and how the, the magical bond of things, like that stuff I really enjoy. Yeah, it was so. really fun. Uh yeah, and that's that's partially why like I really enjoyed the last part of my book. <laughs> excellent, yeah, excellent. It takes a while to get there, but <laughs> we do get there. Just uh, her, the way that it happens when she realizes like, oh my god, I'm in his house, <laughs> and I I stood him up at our betrothal ceremony. <laughs> like oh, but he doesn't know who I am. This is probably fine. Like, <laughs> It just it was really good. Gave some good like YA like when when he finds out he's gonna be like the bullhead girl. (laughs) You wanted me to marry the bullhead. Dad, come on. She has a bowl on her head. It's like how Ariel has no clothes in the Little Mermaid, and then it's like, oh, okay, true. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely gave some uh, some Little Mermaid, some Disney Little Mermaid vibes. Yes. Yes. Great. Cool. Well, I'm going to move us very far from, <laughs> from the fantasy world. Uh, and I'm going to talk about A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria, um, which is a contemporary romance novel. Um, it is the second in the series. Full disclosure, I did not read the first in the series, and I, like, got in, like, it, the, reading the first in the series is not necessary. Um, That's amazing. Wow. Well, and it's so what's interesting is, like, a lot of times in romance series, you really can, like, they do really stand on their own because of the nature of what romance is. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the people who are all freaked out that the Duke is leaving at the end of the season of Bridgerton and romancers were like, 
well, duh, that's how it works. Like, (laughs) he was going to be a bit character who shows up for one scene. I can tell you which scene. (laughs) Like, what? So, yeah, so, and that that is just part of the nature of the game. In in some romance series, you know, the characters kind of, the the previous love story is maybe a little more central, and, and you get more by... Um, by reading it sequentially, but this one, you know, really stood on its own, um, and it is it is also a second chance romance, um, and also, well, actually, not even really a friends to lovers. It's kind of more of a friends with benefits situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's about uh, uh, Gabrielle and Michelle, who were best friends and next door neighbors growing up, um, and then had this pretty dramatic falling out at age eighteen. Gabrielle just, like, picked up everything, moved to California um, for college, and cut everyone in his life off. So, um, he kept in touch with his family a little bit, and then they had a second, even harder falling out. So now they're both about 30, and Gabrielle, and they have not talked to each other for, like, 12 years, and Gabrielle has not talked to his family at all for, like, nine years, with the exception of his sister. Um... So, Gabrielle now owns this um, gym in Los Angeles, and he is looking to expand to New York. And Michelle is a freelance marketing specialist. Um, And unbeknownst to him, Gabrielle's business partner just happens uh, to contact Michelle because he was looking for someone in New York who is a marketing specialist. Um, and so one day in his inbox, Gabrielle sees an email from her and is like, oh no. <laughs> um, and initially his business partner is supposed to go out to New York and lead this New York expansion. But of course, for romance reasons, uh-huh. Gabrielle <laughs> finds himself having to go out instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michelle picks him up from the airport to get started on work. And she says, okay, well, it's going to be easier if you just stay with me. He assumes that means her apartment. Oh, no, she has, is temporarily, she's, like, house-sitting for her parents. So suddenly Gabrielle finds himself next door to the family he has not talked to for nine years in the same house with his former best friend who he always had a thing for. And shenanigans ensue. So that's kind of the setup, and that's not much of a spoiler. This all happens within like the first chapter. Um, and yeah, and this was that is something that I've noticed. Like the premise to set up the romance situation is usually like a whole paragraph of explanation in and of itself mm-hmm. before you get to the actual story. Yeah, and I think part of that is because I think that. Um, And this kind of goes back to, you know, romance books that, like, pretend they're romance books, but, like, the romance is really a subplot. I think part of, like, having the romance be the main plot is, like, romance readers really want to spend time in that relationship connection. So the Mm -hmm. plot outside of that is kind of tangential. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think a lot of times romance books kind of fly through those big, you know, life things because that's, you know, their focus is on the development of the relationship and speeding through... Other parts of it uh, gets us more time with the um, you know romantic interest yeah. um, together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it, and you know some some do that to greater or lesser degrees of success because I feel like I've definitely read romance books where I'm like I don't believe you two are gonna like I believe you two just like went on your first date like I don't think you're gonna <laughs> like have a happily ever after you like talk to each other three times what yeah. is this yep. yeah so I definitely read romance novels like that and then I've also read ones where it's like wait wait wait, wait hold on like a lot of plot just happened here like yeah. we need to spend some time processing this yeah like they hard pivot back into relationship like no no There were some important life events here. Yeah. So, and I think this book strikes a pretty good balance between, you know, on one hand, you know, really the central component of it is Gabrielle and Michelle's relationship. Um, But on the other hand, it it really spends a lot of time, you know, kind of jumps to getting Gabrielle back in New York, but it really spends a lot of time, you know, going through, like, what brought him to yeah, suddenly leaving his life. It also spends a, some time building up their backstory through the fan fiction they used to write together. Oh my! Ooh. So as a uh, wow, as a long 
embarrassingly longtime fanfiction reader. Uh, <laughs> there's no there's no shame around fanfiction in this office, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. My uh, fanfiction.net account from circa 2001. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so it's fun because it we kind of got to see their you know we get flashbacks through their MSN or MSN Messenger <gasps> chats and fan fiction. Of it. So there's Excellent. a nice there's Ugh. a nice little like time capsule there for anyone else who was in uh, nostalgia factor for yeah. those of us of a certain age. Exactly, exactly, in a certain corner of the internet. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it's a really nice, it did take me a little while to get into, um, but once I did, I really enjoyed it. There is a lot, this one is pretty steamy. Um, this is definitely a, um, a romance novel. <laughs> um, and, and there is, like I said, it, there's kind of a friends with benefits situation. So it, I was a little shocked how, like, things got steamy pretty quick. And okay. that would kind of be my only critique of this novel was there was a little like, whoa, okay, hold on <laughs> yeah. here. Pedal uh, to the metal. Yeah, exactly. There was a little, um, a little pedal to the metal um, that I probably could have done with maybe a little more, you know, <laughs> lead up to Yeah, that. exactly. A little longer runway yeah. to get that plane off the ground, but yeah. You know, it. You know, it's telling you what it is right off the bat. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. This is definitely. You know, the first book I mentioned was a pretty like intro. This is. This is a. I wouldn't say this is the most explicit romance novel I've read by any means, but this is. A, you know, this is. A, this is like a medium grade. Like okay, we're mm-hmm. we're in it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and it. You know, it's. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a really fun read. I do want to go back and read the first one now, um, which is called You Had Me at Ola, um, which I, my friend says is even better. Um, nice. So, but yeah, it's kind of a fun, I don't know, this is really odd for me too that I'm recommending all contemporaries today, considering I like mostly read historical. So this is kind of fun for me too, to step outside my normal wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, and you know, this book came... Uh, pretty highly recommended. So, and I, I got it, um, actually, I think all three of the books I recommended today, I got on Libby. Nice. So, yeah. you know, just to, I will say it's always interesting to me that, uh, our, one, one interesting thing I find with romance novels and Libby is that the Libby holds list on romance novels are insane. Oh, interesting. But you can always get a physical copy. Like, the physical... Uh, ah. And people we've been on vacation did have a long holds list. I think we did have that one in our Lucky Day yeah. collection. But um, huh. I always find that the the holds list on Libby for romance novels... I think a lot of romance readers like me are also e-readers. Interesting. Um, and huh. there is also a whole segment of romance books that, like, don't get published in physical form. Like, mm-hmm. there's the self-published and, like, Kindle Unlimited exclusive. Yeah. That's a big segment of romance. So I think there is just kind of this connection of romance readers and, and E. Um, so that's always interesting. But, yeah, it's... Romance readers, you guys are... You guys are tearing it up on Libby. Like... <laughs> interesting. It's, it's... Yeah. Because, yeah, I definitely had, I had one, I just had a book where I uh, accidentally sent my Libby hold back, and I've been waiting for it a long time. I clicked the wrong button. No. And luckily, Libby, I did the deliver later, so I only got sent back to the top of the pile. I didn't, like, suspend my hold entirely, but I had to wait two more weeks, and I had read the sample. I just read the sample, because I was like, oh, do I want to download this now, read the sample? Yeah, I'm ready to read this book. Accidentally sent it back. But I tell you what, even though there was, like, a long line on Libby, there was a physical copy, like, right away, so I was able to get it sent over so I can get started uh, while, while, I'm waiting. Libby, while I'm waiting for my Libby hold to come back in. Nice. So, yeah, that's always an interesting day. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, you have, or a lot, sorry, I was going to say you have me a lot. That one I haven't read yet. I need to read it. Uh, but A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria. Great. Well, romance readers tear it up on Libby, but this is a book. I have a book to talk about that uh, is about tearing it up on the dance floor. Oh, great segue. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thought about it. Yeah. Um, it's called Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yoon. And this book caught my eye. I'm not a big romance reader. Uh, and this one is like a pure romance. Um, it's young adult. Okay. Still. 
because like I'm nothing if not <laughs> super consistent on the YA front. Um, but Nicola Yoon, you might know her name from uh, Everything Everything. The Sun is also a star, mm-hmm. um, which have kind of they've had some crossover appeal and some crossover success into the the adult audience. Um, and this title stuck out to me because it's a line from a magnetic field song that was later covered by Peter Gabriel for the 2004 not blockbuster uh, Shall We Dance with Richard Gere and Susan Sarandon and J-Lo which I enjoyed Um, (laughs) but apparently according to the internet I am one of 47% of people who enjoyed this movie anyway um, so instructions for dancing the book um, follows Evie Thomas who used to be a voracious romance reader big believer in her romances mm-hmm. uh, total hopeless romantic um, but she caught her father with another woman and her uh, love of love kind of dissolves mm-hmm. along with her parents yeah. marriage um, so Evie is just finishing up high school you know, graduation takes place in the book um, so she you know, is kind of going about her life dealing with her parents divorce um, she has a, a little sister who's very you know fashionable and they live with her mom um, in this apartment and her so her relationship with her father has been kind of decimated she's like you're not the person i thought you were at all yeah uh, you know my dad would not do this right who are you right um so she's dealing with that and then one day she like loads up she's been smuggling her romance books out of the house and donating donating them to the library on the sly um, so her mom doesn't realize like how messed up she is about Aww. this whole thing she's trying to keep it keep it inside um, so she's riding her bike to the library with some books to donate realizes it's sunday and the library is closed so she's like, Ugh. as a side note, our library is open on Sunday. <laughs> we are. So this book would not have happened. Except for in the, the summer. Yeah, we are closed in Sundays in the summer. Um, and she, she's like, fine. And spots like a little free library. And she's like, I'm just going to stick my books in there. There's one book in the little free library. And it's called Instructions for Dancing. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, like at the back of the book, there's like a stamp that says like, if found, please return to... Uh, La Brea Dance Studio, I believe is what it's called. Um, so she takes the book to school and like is going to show it to her friends and she realizes that when she sees people kiss, she s- starts to see snippets of their whole relationship. So in you know your high school cafeteria, Whoa. she sees, you know, like the it couple smooching and she sees kind of like the story of how they got together, like the moment of like when he passed her a note that was like, check yes or yes if you want to go oh out God. with me. And then sees like <laughs> them riding on a Ferris wheel and then sees like the girl get a, a college acceptance letter and then the like popular boy alone on the Ferris wheel. Oh, So she realizes so she sees that the she's, whole progression. Yeah, she sees all these moments um, and she's like, oh my God, like I can't um, she, two of her, her, her friend group is like her and this boy and these two other girls and they've been friends like super tight since sixth grade and they're starting to think that maybe the two other girls in their friend group are like, will they or won't they? Like, are they going to get together? You know, end of senior year? Is it going to happen? Um, she sees them kiss and sees the trajectory of their entire relationship and she's like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All romances end in just despair oh, no. and heartbreak. Oh. Um, uh, so she's like, I have to stop seeing these intimate details of people's lives. Yeah. And the the guy friend in their group is like, well, why don't you go to that La Brea dance studio and see if that's anything? <laughs> like, this started after you picked up this book. Yeah. Maybe it's related. So she ends up at the dance studio and gets convinced by this, like, kind of intense Eastern European woman that she will study the waltz and the foxtrot <laughs> and the tango. And her dance partner is this boy named X, whose grandparents actually started the the dance studio. Um, he grew up in New York and is is out west. He dropped out of high school to pursue his musical dreams um, because mm-hmm. he has 
a little bit of a, a tragic backstory. One of his friends was killed in an accident and he's decided he just says yes to things now. Mm. Which is how they end up participating in a dance competition. <laughs> um, and Evie, of course, is like, wow, okay, nope, nope. You're good looking. You're smart. You're funny. You have this like great attitude. But romance is fake because my parents' marriage fell apart. I'm simply not letting you in. Um, yeah. And, I mean, my question is, if she does or were to think about kissing him... Does she see, she see? what happens? Um, you, there's only one way to find out. Right. <laughs> one way to find out. So, and that's reading the book, because I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Um, That's great. But yeah, so there's this dance competition. Um, there's you know their whole you know, relationship because they're you know 18. They've got a lot of life ahead of them. Mm-hmm. You know, is she gonna fix her relationship with her dad? Um, is her dad gonna gonna marry the other woman? How is she gonna feel about that? Yeah. Um, so a lot of different types of romance, and I think it's really much very much a, a romance reader's romance it it's a book that loves romance readers mm, yeah um, which is really really it was just really cute nice <laughs> i liked it a lot and i had like a you know even i kind of a grinch uh had, had like a little tear going Aww. at the end i was like that was so nice was so, uh, so i literally finished that like two days ago i was like i'm gonna talk about this on the podcast perfect timing nice so check it out instructions for dancing sounds very it sounds like a just really sweet and just not usually what i go for but it had a a nice depth of flavor i'm doing the like the chef's kiss thing with my hand you can't see it because you're listening to this it's really good well and i think that's like what the best romance novels do really well which is yeah, they, like, have emotional depth, um, yeah. and they can kind of interweave, like, those hard and happy things. And I think, um, I don't know, there's, like, a new trend in romance, too, of, like, really tackling some emotional stuff. And every once in a while, um, actually, the first book by Emily Henry, who wrote People Me on Vacation, her book Beach Read was, like, a whoa, you tackled some really heavy stuff in a romance novel. This isn't a beach read. And I, like, don't fully buy it. I don't Mm. fully buy that this, like, hard stuff has been tackled. And, like, these people are going to be happy. These people, like, no, no. Yeah. Um, So it's always nice when it's, like, they can pull off that, like, tone of, like... Yeah. Yeah. And Nicola Yoon, I think... She's definitely got her her detractors, but... Yeah, I liked everything, everything a lot, uh, more than I expected to. It was the same with The Sun is Also a Star. Wasn't expecting to really like it. I was not expecting to like this because it's not super in my wheelhouse. And I was like, no, that was really good. <laughs> so. That's funny. Nice. A lot of feelings. Anything else? Any other oh, books? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about one more book um, that I think is a nice, kind of similar Instructions for Dancing has a lot of, like, kind of commentary on romance novels, so I think mm-hmm. it's a really nice, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, like, necessarily an introductory romance novel, but I think it, you know, really gives folks a flavor of the genre, and it's called Isn't It Bromantic uh, by Alyssa K. Adams, um, and it is the fourth in a series. Um, I read number one. I have not read two and three. Um... But it, you really don't need to read the first ones. You kind of know off the bat. The premise is these, this group of guy friends who are all having trouble in their love lives uh, decide that they will have a romance novel book club Aww. to learn how to be better partners and better men. I love this. <laughs> and, uh, I really loved the, the first one a lot. It's called The Bromance uh I'm pretty sure it's just called, like, the Bromance Novel Book Club. Um, might have that wrong. But the first one is really great, and it's, like, a marriage in crisis story. Um, but this one is, and so, like, all the different guys on the in the book club are getting their own happy endings. Mm-hmm. So this one is um, Vlad the Russian, uh, who is a professional hockey player. Okay. And he... Um, this one has a lot of tropes going on, so it is a second chance romance, it is a marriage convenience romance, mm-hmm. it is a sports romance, 
Um, so there's a lot going on here. Um, but Vlad um, offered when after he came over to America and became prophetic, and this is a spoiler. This is like has been known, I think, through the previous books, or at the very least, is introduced right away in the first chapter. When he came over to America and he got his professional hockey playing life together, he offered his best friend in their small town in Russia, he offered to marry her so that she could leave a bad family situation and mm-hmm. move over with him to America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it, it has been six years since that happened. Um, and they, she moved out after a month, um, and moved to Chicago to get her, uh, degree in journalism. So she has been living in Chicago, uh, studying to be a journalist, and he has been playing hockey in Nashville, hmm. um, and reading all these romance novels to try to find a way to win her back. Uh, and... I don't think it gets revealed until like midway. Anyway, let's just say there's like some really fun meta commentary on romance novels in there. There's also, it's a really fun kind of like found family with this group of guys who like really take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the plot gets set in motion when Vlad, oh, and the, the heroine's name is Elena. Um, Vlad asks Elena to, you know, make their marriage a real marriage, Mm -hmm. um, and she says no and flees back to Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, and the plot gets set in motion where Vlad has a really bad accident and a hockey game, and so Elena's his next of kin, so they call her from the hospital and say, hey, you need to get here, your husband's in the hospital, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh... Turns out, and this is kind of a spoiler, so I won't say why, but, like, turns out Elena has a whole bunch of other stuff going on, a whole bunch of other emo- uh, motivations mm-hmm. um, for why she does what she does. Um, uh, but she comes to nurse Vlad back to health. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot that goes on in this book. I read this book in, like, less than 24 hours <laughs> because the other book, I think, a lot like Adios had was a lot more, like, ruminating on the relationship and less plot. This had a lot of plot. Like, mm. the plot really, like, moved along. There was a Sounds lot. Like it. This was a little more plot-heavy book. Um, and, um, there is some steam factor. It's probably not as steamy as a lot like Adios, but, like, there's... It's not closed door. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it's really fun. Because, yeah, it, um... You know, there's a lot of, I think, the appeal of a second chance romance. And I now have just realized that all of the books I recommend you today are second chance romance. <laughs> I, uh, a sense of pattern. I, I do have a little bit of a pattern. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I always think the appeal of a second chance romance is it, like, really gives the main characters an opportunity to, um, you know, work through issues. And I think that's why, like, it lends itself really well to a romance novel. Um and so that was that was kind of fun to see here how they they kind of got to work through what had happened to each of them and and Vlad also is what's called a cinnamon roll hero. Okay, so the term cinnamon roll hero, both of, for our listeners, both Hannah and Melody's faces, they made the exact same face. <laughs> but yes, we all yeah. So a cinnamon roll hero is a is a term popularized. Um, after, actually, it uh, derives from the Bridgerton series way back when the Bridgerton series initially came out in the early 2000s. It, it originally came out as a book, not a TV <gasps> show. Shocker. <Yes. laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think, so, so, uh, so there's a character in the Bridgerton series, and the show, so show readers will be familiar with him as well, Colin Bridgerton, um, who has been christened the original cinnamon roll hero. Um, and that they are just really sweet and ooey gooey in the center, and um, warm and warm. just make you feel soft. <laughs> okay, I'm like, I, I hope that's what this means. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what this means. <laughs> so yeah, so a cinnamon roll hero is a term for a hero that's just like 
really feels their feelings and mm. is just yeah, like yeah. a big old softy. Sure. And this book has a hockey player cinnamon roll. It sure does. Oh no. <laughs> He's not real cute. <laughs> I'm gonna read it. Good. <laughs> um, I'm adding it to the list. Aww. Aww. Uh, yeah. Those are two of my favorite things. Yeah, he's real cute. He's yeah, he's a he's a like six foot four teddy bear. Teddy bear. <laughs> so um yeah. So yeah, it's a real fun one. I highly recommend. Um yeah, and it um I, I think it'd probably be good for folks who aren't as familiar with the genre too. It's a pretty like there's some steam, but it's um it's not excessive and, and I think it does like a really good job like kind of celebrating the romance genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, isn't it romantic? By I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, but Lisa Liza K. Evans. Uh, I found out book one in that series is called the Bromance Book Club. The Bromance Book Club. Okay. It. It's a very nice one to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um. Yeah. And this episode is coming out February first, so it's perfect time for your Valentine reading. Valentine maybe even if gifting. you're feeling if you're feeling jaded about romance, I think maybe some of these would be mm-hmm. a little antidote to your soul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little soothing balm. Right. <laughs> Isn't it romantic? Is an audiobook on Libby also. Excellent. Oh, Nineteen weeks wait. I'll let you guys know what I <laughs> see. I'm telling you, romance. Are, uh, I'm gonna warn you, listeners. If you want to get a, I will also say Hoopla, which is our other e-reader service, has a very strong romance collection. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in romance novels and don't want to wait, I don't know that Hoopla has that one, but Hoopla has a really great romance, romance novel section, yeah. and no wait ever, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thanks, everyone. Uh, And we'll be back next month with more stuff. More books. More books. Yay. All right. Bye.